You're listening to WBH Radio. I'm your host, William Holly. Thank you for tuning in. Big time guest joining us here today. He is the head varsity coach for the Eagle Academy for Young Men 2. Yes. Did I get it correct? Yes. Not to be confused with Eagle Harlem or Eagle Middle School, Eagle Miami, Hong Kong, <laughs> Eagle Academy for Young Men 2. The head varsity basketball coach, Mr. Kevin Hamilton Jr. Welcome, sir. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, man. We are excited to have you. Uh, coach, let's go back first. March 17. March 17. March 17. PSAL City Championship. You got your squad, Eagle Academy for Young Men, going up against the South Shore Vikings. Walk me through that day, man. Walk me through the, the build-up. Uh, how you feeling about having your team playing in the championship? And this is just, what, four years yeah. after becoming the head coach? Yes. What's that like? Talk to me. What was the build-up like? What was the, 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 the message you were sending to your squad? How were you feeling? That day, I, I felt good. Um, I think we had a pretty good week of practice before the game. I felt, you know, we played South Shore pretty well the last two games before that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I was I was a little bit concerned about our last offensive output. We played uh, John Bound mm-hmm. in, in the uh, semifinals, and we didn't we didn't score the ball as well as I thought we should have at that point of the season. But you know, I didn't anticipate what ended up happening. That's for sure. Unfortunately, your team fell short, uh, losing to the South Shore Vikings. What do you think was the difference that day? Um, you know, part of it, you know, is, uh, you know, I think nerves. You know, that was the first time our guys have been on that stage. Yeah. I think a lot of it has to do with South Shore being a very good team, very well coached, um, you know, very talented from top to bottom and on the bench. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I think situations like that, when you look back at them, of course, we would like to win, but I think it was a learning experience for our guys. You know, now we've had experience being in those types of games. And, you know, hopefully we get back to that point and we're more successful the next time. Mm-hmm. I was actually at that game. And one thing that surprised me, I, I felt like they were able to frustrate you a little bit with the press. Yeah. Was that was that a surprise or a shock? Um, I thought we were just being too tentative. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, in the previous games that we played against them, they played this, the same exact press. It wasn't, you know, nothing, nothing new. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were way more aggressive against it. Uh, you know, we had a game plan that, that, that was effective the, the last game. Um, I, I, the only thing I can attribute it to is just you know being on that stage. Yeah. You know, the lights are different. There's a lot more people than you've ever played in front of before. Uh, a lot of pressure, a lot of expectations. And, you know, we, we were a relatively young team. You know what I'm saying? The sophomore was our starting point guard, mostly juniors. We had the big guy down low as a senior, obviously. But... Uh, that's the only thing I can think of. You know, we didn't play to the best of our capabilities. We got to give all the credit and respect to South Shore for handling their business. But you know, I'm not exactly sure why we came out. Yeah. About three weeks prior, you actually played South Shore for the Borough Championship. Right. And in that game, you guys were down by 20 points or so? 21. 21 points early, and you were able to come back. What was the story in that contest? Uh, I think it was a similar situation in the beginning. Mm-hmm. You know, just a lot of nerves. Uh, we turned the ball over way too much. Um, you know, we know with South Shore, it was such a, you know, in terms of this height and length and size and yeah. stuff like that, you know, 
you give them opportunity to get second shots at the basket, they're going to kill you. If you don't box out, they're going to kill you. If you allow them to get out of transition, they're going to kill you. Mm-hmm. And we did all those things in the beginning of the game. Um, but honestly, man, the week prior to that game, and you know, our, our build-up to that game, I was so confident in the way that we would play because of the types of practices we were having, right. the types of games we were playing. That when that was happening, because we were down 21 nothing. Early. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, when it happened, uh, you know, I turned to my coaching staff. I said, I'm glad this is happening now, mm-hmm. you know, because we have time to chip away at this. Right. And once we got settled in and got confident, you know what I'm saying? You know, when you're in a situation like that and you're the underdog, you just got to keep yourself in the fight. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it makes the other team more comfortable when, when you're in this pressure situation because you're supposed to. Right. right. And we had a lot more confidence. And, you know, a lot of credit to our guys. They stayed with it. They, you know, they were resilient, and you know, we were able to chip away enough to get into overtime and, and take the game. That was big. You know, when I heard that, I wasn't there, but I heard that, like, yo, Eagle Academy came back from 20. You know, and that was pretty impressive. But then I got a little bit along, and I'm thinking, that takes a lot of emotionally to come <laughs> back, win that game against the defending champions. Like, I wondered what your messaging was after that victory. After beating South Shore on such a big stage, knowing that perhaps you may have to see them down the line, what'd you say to the squad after that victory? Well, obviously they were really happy yeah. you know, to, to accomplish that. And I was proud of them. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I suppose resiliency. You know, we could have packed it up and, and, and gave, you know, nobody would have had any shame. South Shore winning another world um, championship or something like that. But they fought through it. And, you know, so, you know, I, we obviously spoke about we can't get off these type of starts. Yeah. But, um, you know, I think that game uh, demonstrated our character as a team and what we're capable of when we play to our, our capabilities. So I was proud of them. We was happy. It was, a, it was a good day. That's what's up. That's what's up. And it, 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 your program is young, you know, and it's cool to hear you talk about kind of you, you made sure we, we enjoyed that victory first. You know, I think sometimes we always focus on the end and the championship, but you got to enjoy this journey uh, too. You know, so it's cool that you allow them and you make sure that, yo, listen, we're going to get to where we need to get to, but please enjoy these steps and, 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 and appreciate these moments. When's the last time you played a professional basketball game? I was in Puerto Rico. Probably 2016. Did you know that was going to be your last professional game? Yeah, not my, well, I knew that was going to be my last season. Uh, you know, you don't know this is your last game until you lose. Right. You're out. But, uh, yeah, I, I didn't know that was my last. Well, let me not say that. Let me not say that. I thought maybe I'd play one more year. Mm-hmm. But I knew it was, I was coming to an end. I was getting injured pretty often and taking injections to get through games and seasons and stuff. And, my wife wasn't having that, and you know, it was. Uh, I, I felt confident. You know, it's a difficult transition for a lot of people to come out of hooping, especially you know, that's all you know. For sure. Yeah. So, um, but I felt confident enough that whatever I put my mind to, I'd figure it out. So I wasn't like I was never scared of retiring, but you know, at that point, you know, my wife decided to start her career. My kids were home. I was overseas. I wasn't enjoying it nearly as much. I missed my, you know, waking up to my kids every single day. So 
I knew if not that was the last season, I, I was really close. Mm-hmm. How'd you get to the PSAL, Coach? How did you get to Eagle Academy? Um, My former teammate um, at Holy Cross, Chave Mead, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I was in contact with him the whole time. Mm-hmm. We were really good friends. And uh, in the transition, you know, before thinking I'd do one more year, I was starting to, like, connect with Holy Cross alums and stuff like that just to try to prepare myself for the transition and start to think about what would be the next steps. Mm-hmm. And he had mentioned to me, you know, his, that his brother was a principal. And, um, you know, initially it just started out as a place to work out. You know what I'm saying? Like, hey, you know, there's a gym here if you want to, you know, stay in shape while you're figuring things out. And if you're interested in education, you should you talk to my brother. Mm-hmm. And they had, like, a power position available. Um, you know, so I figured, you know, I could work out, you know, get to, get to dabble in education a little bit yeah. and see what it's like. And, you know, I was thankful for, for the opportunity. Um, and just being in that building for, you know, a couple months and interacting with the kids and, you know, seeing the influence that you could have on them. You know, all these, everybody wants to be a professional basketball player. Everybody wants to be a professional football player. And seeing kids so interested in my story, interested in getting to, to know me and seeing that I can positively impact kids. Uh, I had a conversation with the principal, like, Mr. Me, like, you know, if I pursue something here, is it like opportunity? He's like, yeah, sure. Like, what are you thinking? And it kind of evolved from there. But my intention was never to coach. Right. You know what I'm saying? It was just like, I could be a counselor or a teacher or something like that and, you know, have fun interacting with kids and, you know, helping them along their path, especially, you know, the demographic of kids that we're working with. Mm-hmm. And just be able to spend a lot more time with my family, yeah. you know, just to get out at 3 o'clock, be able to pick my kids up and stuff like that. But, um, you know, Mr. Mead uh, was, was, was very passionate about his, his kids, and mm-hmm. he saw, um, I think, the benefit of me being around in a basketball capacity. Mm-hmm. And he was like, you know, you asked me to coach. And initially, we, me, me, me and Jave were helping. We were like assistants on JV, right. you know what I'm saying? And it, it kind of just turned. You know, we had an extremely successful season our first year there. It was um, as assistants on JV. As assistants on JV, Coach CG McCullen, who played at Christ the King, mm-hmm. uh, was an amazing player. Went to Hofstra from there. A female. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was the head coach, and um, you know, we all knew each other as kids. It was a great, fun environment. We were, you know, we we began to instill a culture, right. and uh, we went twenty something and one. And uh, from you know we were not we're not even in a double A at this point. Right. And um, it turned into a passion, man. You know what I'm saying? I, uh, it, I saw like the opportunities that I could have for kids, not just from a perspective of getting scholarships and right. stuff like that, but like a mentality and accountability. And uh, that's what they asked you to be the varsity coach. Yeah. How long did you have to think about it? You know, at that point, I was in love was with in. the work. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? You know. Yeah, it wasn't really a very difficult decision for me. Coach, do you feel like a an outsider? You know what I'm saying? Because a lot of the coaches in this city, we've known them forever. Ruth Lovelace at Boys High, Lawrence Bud Pollard at uh, Thomas Jefferson. 
many of these people are PSAO products. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? My boy, who's not a head coach at Wingate, he said, yo, well, I've been in the PSAO since I was 13. Right. JV, Voss, people with your resume, Archbishop Malloy, Holy Cross, Patriot League Player of the Year, 10-year pro, they don't end up in the PSAO. You know what I mean? So do you do you feel like, yo, I'm a new kid uh, on the block, um, I, 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 I'm one of one, I'm a little bit, you know what I'm saying? The baby-faced new kid. Probably not so much now. Mm -hmm. Maybe you know when we first got into the league and we got punched by everybody. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know I'm aware of that though. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying I'm a I'm a Catholic school kid. You know what I'm saying it's a different um, it's a different environment for the kids to be playing in. It's um, you know there's a perception mm -hmm. about Catholic school versus public school. I don't think it's necessarily the case now, yeah. especially you know the level of coaching that I see every single. A week. And you being an outsider, somebody uh, uh, different is not a bad thing. We need fresh eyes, fresh ideas. You know, you play in the Catholic League. How would you compare the two? Compare and contrast the PSL and the Catholic League. Well, I think it's, I don't know if that's fair now because the Catholic League that I played in, I think, is really different mm -hmm. than the Catholic League that is now. And that's no discredit to right. what the Catholic League is now. You know what I'm saying? But, like, you know, a lot of kids go to prep school and leave and stuff like that. Back yeah. then, if you were from New York, you played in New York. And I'd say, you know, when I was playing the Catholic League and even the, the 10 years previous to that, it was the best league in the country. Mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I say that confidently, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? Every team has four or five Division one basketball players. So that's not the case now. Um, and I think from a public school perspective, you know, like, the thought process then was like, you know, it wasn't at the same caliber. But I think public schools now, you know, and we, we, play, we play games against Catholic schools mm -hmm. often, and it's very competitive, and, we, you know, a lot of times we win. And, and it's from a resource standpoint, which I thought used to be the difference before. Uh, okay. the, the gap is not like it was anymore. Mm -hmm. As you can see, it's public schools with shoe deals, you know, ego. These kids get everything. <laughs> They get everything. Y'all got a shoe deal? Y'all got a power deal? We don't. We mm -hmm. don't. You know, we wear a lot of Nike stuff. There's a lot of independent funding, and mm -hmm. you know, we fundraise and a bunch of stuff. But they, I mean, it's they they get more stuff than I did as a college player, as a pro, as anything. Wow. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, and it's not just about gear. It's just they're like, Gino Lawrence is in our building teaching these kids. Malik Roof is in our building teaching our kids. Kmart LeBrew, yeah. Tasha Hannah, Donald Wright, Jamel Lewis, you know, Coach Isaiah McCoy. There's people who have a lot of basketball experience. It's people who care deeply about the kids. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, that wasn't the case when I was playing. For sure. In Catholic school or public school. So I'll tell you a quick story. Uh, you know, there was rumors going around that the AA League was going to be banished and all of those schools will now be a part of the A. So, you know, us at Wingate, we're A school. So I'm getting my coach hype. I'm like, yo, whatever, man. Everybody get it. <laughs> coach love, boys high, bud, time, everybody get it. I got to Eagle. He was like, hold on, hold on, hold on. They got 10 pros on their staff. They get busy over there. <laughs> they get busy. Hold on. They get busy over there. Y'all do have a lot of pros over there. I, I went to watch the... Um, I went to watch my boy. He was a JV coach at Lincoln. They were playing Eagle. I'm sitting in the crowd. I'm look. I'm I'm sitting next to this dude. I'm like, yo, he looked mad familiar. Like, mad familiar. Mad familiar. Who was it? Malik Booth. Right. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, Malik Booth was former St. John stand up. I'm like, dang, y'all got pros all over this place. 
Coach, you see in the studio, I got the uh, walls decorated with book covers. Uh, one of the guys I read often is uh, John Wooden, uh, 10 national championships at UCLA. And Wooden was an All-American player at Purdue. And he said when he first got into coaching, he realized that playing and teaching the game is two different things. You know what I'm saying? That's when he came up with his pyramid of success to be able to try to articulate and teach. You know, success on the court doesn't guarantee that one can be successful teaching the game. What's the transition uh, been like for you, especially early on? Yeah, I mean, I think that's very true. Seriously, I've had I've had coaches as a professional who were former players that you know lacked in areas, and I've had people who've coached me that never, you know, they can't even barely dribble dribble basketball, but are amazing minds. I think um, you know I benefited from the position I played. You know, I played point guard once I played overseas, mm -hmm. and um, so. In a lot of ways, especially at that level, you have to be an extension of your coach on the court. So I think I had a lot of experience articulating game plans, articulating what's expected, mm -hmm. holding people accountable. You know, I've kind of, from a basketball perspective anyway, been in a leadership role for a long time. So I, in that sense, it wasn't as difficult, but it's what what is what is not challenging, but what I was not expecting is like how, like where you have to start. You know what I'm saying? Like you, you know, I think sometimes because you play, you expect kids to understand stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure you feel the same way. Like, mm -hmm. how don't you know this? Mm -hmm. And then so like meeting the kid where they are, mm -hmm. um, building them from that spot uh, and, you know, Figuring out the balance between, you know, because it's a different time. Mm -hmm. You know, back when we played, coaching your face, screaming and stuff like that was common. Right. Uh, there's a lot of different factors now, you know what I'm saying? Because uh, especially when with talent, there's, you know, ego is not the place for everybody, yeah. right? Because we really um, hold the kids to a standard. And we do it with the understanding that we know in the background, in their DMs, there's a thousand other coaches. You know what I'm saying? There's a thousand other people. Right. Not everybody likes being held accountable a certain way. So uh, being a coach now, there's like a whole lot of factors to how you approach things. Mm -hmm. And I think relationships are more important. I never had the relationship with my high school coach that I think I have with some of my kids. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Because you have to not only, you know, teach them and hold them accountable, you have to show them that you care, mm -hmm. that you're there for them, and that there's a purpose to this. So um, I'm learning, man, and I, I enjoy the process. And, I, you know, every, you know, we're experiencing challenges now. we got a lot of guys who are injured. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you can look at that from, like, a feeling sorry for yourself perspective, or you could take it as a challenge. Like, okay, so this is the situation we're in. This is an opportunity. There's opportunity for you guys to show leadership and teach these guys what they need to learn. Mm -hmm. There's opportunity for young guys to be thrown in the fire, which as your freshman, we have a freshman, Xavier Caesar. I'm really excited to mm -hmm. see how he does. Um, you know, it's, there's challenges every day. So it's, a, it's, always a, it's always something with coaching that you got to be prepared for and let you curve balls that are thrown at you. So I think those are the biggest challenges. Mm -hmm. What are some values and principles of a Kevin Hamilton Jr. coach team? Some things that you want every member of the Eagle basketball team to, to know or perhaps exhibit. 
your values and principles? Like when you first walked in the door, you said, this is what I want my team to be. Yeah. Um, discipline, accountable, uh, work hard every single play, communicate, um, defend for mm -hmm. sure. Like that's, that's a prerequisite to getting on the court. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think, you know, just having a sense of pride in what you do and respecting the game, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, I, I think a lot of the kids who I coach were in similar positions to me that initially they may not have been the most highly touted kids. Mm -hmm. And just having this mentality of understanding if you outwork the person that you're looking at every single day, there's a level of confidence you're going to have mm -hmm. that's going to propel you past them. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So. I think um, it's a, well, Kevin Hamilton coach team, I hope, um, is a team that has a mentality of, of, of discipline and effort. Mm -hmm. And now that your team has played at the Barclays City Champion, Borough Champion in Brooklyn, it may be easier to have a young athlete's attention. But I'm looking at your first year, 2019, coach. You were 3-11. 2020, you were 4-10. and how tough was it to get young folks to, to buy in? And at that time, I believe you had a Division One prospect, Zaire Williams. Yes. Was it, was it hard to get these people to buy in early on, even though the, 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 the record was uh, less than stellar? Um, I think, you know, like I said, we hold these guys to a really high standard. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's difficult in general. Mm -hmm. But... I'm really proud of those teams, man. Mm -hmm. Like I have an extreme amount of love for those guys. You know, this was a team that moved up to the first division. I think I was a little naive in thinking that, you know, just having the X and O's and the motivation is going to get us in some victories. But Hold on. You moved Eagle up to double A? Yeah. Well, actually, they had moved. When that year that we were on JV, they had moved up. Mm -hmm. so our, you know, I, I assume the success we had at the JV level had something to do with Okay. It. But I don't know. <laughs> right, you know right. What I'm uh, and then the following year, so that I, the following year is when I took over the program. Okay. And you said you thought uh, perhaps a little naive? Yeah, because, yeah, I mean, at the JV level, you know, there's teams that are in the double A, and we're winning, we're taking, you know, at that time, Jefferson would have this streak where they would, like, never lost. Right. And we took them to the wire, and, you know, like, you know, yeah, we're going to, but we, we got really awakened. You know what I'm saying? But those guys, um, you know, Abdul Priest, Jamal Smith, Zaire Williams, mm -hmm. um, Desmond McCollum, Christian Peacock, Teddy Serafero, I can go on, mm -hmm. Eric Wilkins. Like, I love these kids because they put themselves on the line every single day. Mm -hmm. And they knew that if they didn't play their best, they had a chance of getting embarrassed. Mm -hmm. And we didn't get blown out. You know what I'm saying? We played South Shore at South Shore. It was a close game. We played BC at this time when they have, you know, multiple division one players and you know i think we play with such pride um and you know to scrap out those three wins despite the deficit in talent between mm -hmm. us and the teams we're playing it's a testament to the, to the work that they put in and i firmly believe whatever you know limited success that we have now is a testament to the culture that those guys established established you know what i'm saying the, we had very talented kids that tried to come into that program that couldn't make it. You know what I'm saying? Why? Because they didn't fit into in line yeah. with the okay. values and principles? The culture. And there's no exceptions. You know what I'm saying? No compromise on your end, coach? Well, you know, you, 
there's kids with circumstances that right. you gotta consider. You know what I'm saying? But uh, but the standard is the standard. the standard. You know what I'm saying? And you don't get to. And there's no one man above the team. And you know, there's we have really, really, really talented guys that didn't make it past you know first three or four practices. You're not you know, unacceptable behaviors or differences of opinion or whatever, they, or uncomfortability with the way that we did things. You know what I'm saying? And what gave you the, the the resolve to say, you know what, I'm sticking with my standard? Because sometimes coaches see a talented player and they're like, eh, yeah, this kid's gonna help us win some games. What gave you the resolve to say, you know what, this is the Eagle standard, this is the this is the culture we're creating, and we sticking with it. Um Well, firstly, I'm fortunate to be in a position where my livelihood doesn't depend on us winning anything. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And when we started this, our intention was never to be, like I said, we were a second division team. We didn't know mm -hmm. that we were going to be in the first division or anything like that. Our intention was not, it wasn't even about basketball. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's a level of teaching discipline. Like basketball to me is sacred because you can learn transferable skills. You can take these things and apply it to life, and it's the same thing. Mm -hmm. And um, so I always felt like allowing a kid to get away with something that I know is not in his best interest, I'm doing a, a disservice as a coach. I'm not preparing him for the next level. I'm not preparing for life. I'm not preparing for anything. Mm -hmm. So I want to win a game. Mm -hmm. And like, if you put things in perspective, <clears throat> like even now with all our injuries and stuff like that, I, it's not about that, you know what I'm saying? It's about preparing these kids for the next stages of their life. So I never really looked at it from like a, like, you know. I got to win at all yeah, costs and all that. What does that ultimately really mean? Right. I think the, whatever success we had now is a byproduct of the culture we put. Right. But let me say this. You have to have the kids. Like, we can put the culture, we can put the culture where we want. Right. You have to have kids that are willing to go through that fire. Yeah. They have to have kids that are willing to abide by it and trust in it. Mm -hmm. So the success, the success that we've had is really the kids, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying, that are willing to do that type of stuff. It's, mm -hmm. I just, it's like I'm putting the plate on the table and right. they're taking care of the rest of the business. And that's why I wanted to talk to you because we're watching a program being built right before our eyes, you know, and that's why I always like to focus on those early days when the, when the foundation is being laid because I, I too believe... Success is a byproduct of the foundation and the culture that is uh, being established. Zaire Williams, he's at Wagner right now, Division One program out in Staten Island. Yeah. Talk to me about the first time you were became aware of him. He joined your program. Um. So Zaire was an Eagle kid from middle school, mm -hmm. right? I think when I first came to the building, he was in eighth grade. Mm -hmm. And uh, we had a kid, Jeremiah Anderson, who was a star for us on that JV team that I'm mentioning. And uh, I remember coming out my office and um, him and Zaire playing one-on-one. -on -one. And, you know, you know, the whole crowd is gathering around <laughs> them and Zaire's scoring, everybody's going crazy. <coughs> and I remember thinking, oh, man, that kid could be good. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And then um, I came back the next day, 7 o'clock in the morning. That's how I would work out in the mornings. Mm -hmm. He was in the gym. Wow. The next day I come into the set, he's in the gym. He's in the gym. Like now, it wasn't a question if he could be good. Like he's going to be good. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think Zaire, you know, I think he embodied basically 
what what we've been trying to uh, demonstrate as what a basketball player is is a kid that you know him and I think Eric is like this too. Where Eric like, Acker, who's a senior for you this year. Yeah, mm -hmm. I think like it's, in Taj too, it's like kids that actually just love the game. Mm -hmm. Like it's not about Instagram. It's not about girls. It's not about none of that. they love to hoop. Mm -hmm. And when you have a passion for the game, it makes the work so much easier. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So he was just a worker. You know, I'm in constant, you know, his his co his head coach now is is one of my best friends. And, you know, one thing, you know, we <laughs> we talk to each other about our situations all the time. Right. And one thing, you know, I think whenever he feels about the, the kid is tough. The kid works hard every single day. The kid, you know, just refuses to stop working. And I think that's why he is where he's at. That's what's up. Because I, I went back and I looked. Zaya Williams, we know him from the city. D1 product. He was making his name even when the, the team kind of was struggling or just being built. Yeah. I was like, wow, that's impressive. Yeah. That's very impressive. Kids yeah. like that usually run for cover or something different program I'm out of here this and that yeah. for him to showcase who he was even in those early stages when you guys are just getting underway impressive yeah for sure and you know uh, I'm thankful for the opportunity for, to have a kid that has a mentality to, to fight through mm -hmm. situations like all those external factors of people coming after you and all that stuff and really believing in, in what we're saying you know I think he saw progress from you know what he was being taught, and he was willing to do it. And you know, I'm really proud of him, man. He's in, he's in, he's gonna have a really good career. And you know, if we're being completely honest, I think he's kind of like set the standard for our program and somebody that kids look up to and you know understand that this is the path to get mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. becoming a Division One athlete. For sure, for sure. Like you said, to be able to do it with those external factors. Was there any frustration on his part? Was there ever a time when you had to say? You know what I mean? Give him some encouragement. Oh, I'm, I'm sure there was. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Zaya is just an extremely respectful kid. Mm -hmm. So I don't think he's someone that would come up to you and be like, man, I'm tired of this. We lose. <laughs> you ain't doing nothing. You ain't getting me nobody. Like, he wasn't like that. And, man, uh, you know, some kids now, I, I, you know, I get on them and you can see the little twinkle on their face that they want to get frustrated. And I'm, I have none. Part of the reason I'll have none of it is because one of the best players of our program never said anything, mm -hmm. never made any faces, took every bit of criticism in every form mm -hmm. and just turned it into applying it to his game and becoming a Division One athlete. So I'm sure he had frustration. I knew we did conversations that we had, you know what I'm saying, and I know he wanted to win, but, um, you know, for, he, he, he stayed true to the path and he's winning now. You remember the first time you saw him play in college? Yeah. What was that like for you? It was amazing. You know, I, I was... Uh, I was thinking about this the other day, you know, because I was watching it. They beat Temple wow. the other day, and Zaya had a pretty good game. And um, I like I remember more than watching the first game. I remember when he received his first scholarships. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because he's the first kid from the Eco Academy Network to get a Division One scholarship. Mm -hmm. And uh, just feeling like it was it was my son. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like so happy for him, so happy for his family, so proud of him. So, you know, and now I, it doesn't change. You know, since then we've been fortunate enough to send a bunch of kids mm -hmm. to the Division One level. You know, Jacquel Morris is at Miami, Ohio, and Elijah Muhammad is at Senior Hall. So, um, 
Yeah, it's, it's a great feeling. I'm, I'm looking forward to um, experiencing that a lot more times. Jaquel Morris. He was a senior on your squad last year. You say he's at the Miami, uh, Miami, Ohio. I'm born and raised in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, tender Boys and Girls High School. I didn't play high school basketball. But I had never been to a city championship game. Just, I uh, just never did for whatever reason. Last year was the first time I ever attended a game, and it was because of Jaquel Morris. My mom says she's going to the city championship. I'm like, yo, why? Long story short, she's great friends with his grandmother, right? Okay. My mom and my aunt, great friends with his grandma. I said, all right, Ma, you going to the championship? I'm going to go and watch it with him. And I haven't been able to confirm or deny this, but word on the street is Jaquel Morris is the only kid from PSAL to go D1 from last year. The only senior. That could be a fact. That could be a fact. What do you think when you hear that? <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm just happy for Jaquel. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And, man, <laughs> Jaquel's road to this mm -hmm. was a little bit different than Zayev's. You know, Zayev was a, always a basketball. Jaquel had only been playing basketball for three years. Wow. You know what I'm saying? So you talk about a kid that got had it rough. Yeah. And we were on this kid every single day. And, uh, you know, to see him transcend that and fight through that and develop into, to, you know, to me, I probably obviously biased the best big man. In, I mean, he's first team all, yeah. all, all state. So maybe it's not just to me, clearly. Um, I'm just really so proud of him and so happy that, you know, he's been able to um, accomplish that solely for him like I don't really think about what's happening with other programs nah that that, that speaks bonds about well the state of our city you know what I'm saying like we we need to step the level of basketball but it, it speaks of bonds about what y'all doing over there in the program you know what I mean y'all sending y'all kids where they supposed to be going how do you do that basketball is is a full time job but so is books how do you balance it how does the Eagle program make sure the young men are handling both. Well, I mean, from an academic standpoint, Eagles have been winning championships. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? So we're trying to catch up to, you know, to the school's model and Mr. Mead. But, um, you know, it's a challenge. It's a challenge for, you know, to be held to the academic standard and to be held to the athletic standard. But what I, I think all this is, is you know, is uh, about development mm -hmm. and progress and preparation. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think what I hope for us, and not even set us apart, I hope all schools adapt this mentality. Is like, you got to prepare these kids for life, man. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? You got to prepare these kids for the next level. And, you know, Jaquel was a kid who did not understand why we were so tough on him at first. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's like, what is wrong with these people? They're screaming at me every day. Mm -hmm. They're making me run every single day. They're making me do this every single day. And um, I think it's just like anything with experience, like fatherhood, whatever the case be, you don't understand what um, your parents are saying to you until you're in the situation. Mm -hmm. And Job Crow, you know, we speak. And he tells me, man, you were right. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? These guys, the practices here are crazy. They make us go three of them. Like, yeah, that's, that's what we were trying to prepare you for. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, that's what we're attempting to do. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm fortunate to be in the position with the support that I have, um, with the staff that I have. You know, I mentioned all those guys' names already to be 
under the tutelage of you know, Rashad Mead and Kamal Hamilton and Ms. Bringley and, and Mr. E, Ms. Harris and Ms. Mm -hmm. Strauss and all these people who've proven how to build something way bigger than a basketball club. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So it's just um, one foot in front of the other, trying to push these kids, trying to prepare them for the next steps of their life. Mm -hmm. Coach, you got one of the best young talents in the city. Uh, some many people consider the best. Mr. Eric Acker, who's going to be a senior for your squad. He had a big time summer. Every time I opened up my phone and scrolled through Instagram, it's him uh, getting busy uh, representing Gersh Park in New York versus New York, where they won the, the championship there. Big year. Senior year. You know, you're coming off a championship loss. Got to select your college. What are some of the conversations you have with him about what to expect coming up and uh, how to manage it all? You know, he, to me, I'm, I'm not naive, man. You know you know when you have a, a special kid. And we have a couple, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? You know, Taj Bryant had a crazy summer, too. Mm -hmm. And Trey Sean Shepard and a bunch of these guys had really great summers. Trey Shepard is a senior. Yes. Taj is? Uh, junior. Okay. Um, but with E, you know, but my conversations with him, right, because he, he came to us because the team that he was on was about to make him play JV, right? Mm -hmm. And I don't think he, he didn't know who I was. I, didn't, he didn't, I don't think he knew anything, right. you know what I'm saying? Uh, actually, I know he didn't know who I was. <laughs> and, um, you know, he got to this point because of who he is as a person. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's a special kid. He is so in love with basketball mm -hmm. and willing to do anything he needs to do to be a good player and be a good leader and be a good teammate. Like, yeah. you know, obviously a bunch of colleges are, are speaking to him now and everybody is excited about the dunks and the three-pointers mm -hmm. and, you know, how shifty he is. That kid is bouncy, coach. Yeah, I, get, I get it. I get it completely. You know, I'm glad he's on my team. <laughs> but they don't see the effort that he puts into being a good teammate and a leader every single day. Mm -hmm. it's not, it's, it's, there's not a lot of kids like him. You know what I'm saying? And, I know, I know, I was talking to Ralph Coach Willard about him. You know, like, man, like, you would love this kid. Mm -hmm. Like, he takes anything. Like, this kid, like, <laughs> I remember when we played, we, uh, the year of the pandemic, um, we played, you know, that, that abbreviated schedule. Yes, sir. Played like six games. So, first of all, as a sophomore, he, we played Cardinal Hayes at um, Island Garden. Mm -hmm. And Eric had 20 in the second half. And we won that game. And then, you know, we were playing all these, you know, uh, teams, A division, stuff like that. But we ended up playing the last game, the team that I feel probably would have won the city championship that year. And that was with BC with uh, Tyron Allen. And, um, Brooklyn Collegiate. Cabr yeah, Brooklyn Collegiate. Mm -hmm. And uh, we played them. So, this, you know, at this point, Zaire had already committed. Uh, Elijah um, was, 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 you know, potentially going to prep schools or something mm -hmm. like that. So he was working out. So once I had come in, I was like, there's no point of you playing right. in this. So we literally had all sophomores, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so BC would have won a city championship, and we took them to the wire. And Eric had, you know, Eric had an amazing game. <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, 
he takes like a last second shot where you're down three, he shoots from half court, he misses. And he just turns to me and just like hugged me. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm just, I'm, I'm like, I'm still in the middle, mentally in the middle of this game. He just hugs me. You know, he was like so upset that he missed that shot. Right. And in my head, I'm like, you guys are sophomores. You know what you guys almost accomplished. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But he has that deep rooted love for basketball. Mm -hmm. And he's running, like he's never gonna lose a sprint. He's never gonna lose a 17. He's never gonna lose a shooting drill. He's never, never. And it's like, you know, just the, the epitome of leadership and what, what you will want in a basketball player. He's a, been a pleasure to coach. I'm gonna miss him a lot. Mm -hmm. And uh, whatever program ends up picking him up is gonna be real lucky. I see you got some Ivy League interest. Yes. That's big time. Again, y'all handling them books over there. Yeah, uh, yeah he is. They're, they're all these guys are good students. When you, when you heard that he had transferred in because he didn't want to play JV somewhere else, what was your initial reaction to that? Because that could signal a kid that may not be receptive to coaching. Um, well, I mean, I don't, I, I don't really, and I, I don't really involve myself in like the what kids are coming and what kids mm -hmm. are not coming. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I, I think you know, and I, I get criticized for this a little bit sometimes, coach. Coach KK tells me I got to be on the scene more, you know what I'm saying, and, and show my face, and he gets on me for this, but... Um, Whatever you're doing is working, Coach, but go ahead. That's my response to Coach KK. Nah, but, um, you know, I, I think that sometimes that can compromise your ability to coach the kid, right? If you're, like, clamoring over them, blah, 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 blah. And then, you know, especially the, the style of coaching that we do, you know, it's a disconnect from, from that, that world. Um, so I, I really didn't think much of anything. I, I kind of assess kids for who they are once mm -hmm. they're in front of me. Mm -hmm. And um, was, <laughs> you probably doesn't want me telling this story, but the first week of um, our, I don't know, was trials or practices, but he was late to something. Mm -hmm. And I was like, my man, you might have made a, a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> you might want to go back and play JV because that's not happening here. But he adjusted so quickly. Mm -hmm. You know, usually if there's a kid like that, it's a process and a tug and pull and trying to get them to mm -hmm. understand. Um, but he, you know, he never first one to practice every single day after that. And mm -hmm. Last one out of practice every single day after that. So, you know, I don't judge people based on stuff previous to me. Right. And he showed me what type of kid he was, mm -hmm. uh, you know, fourth, fourth practice and on from there. Mm -hmm. We mentioned you fell short in the championship game last year. Sometimes, not just kids, but players, when they, when they fall short of a championship goal, they want to pick right back up from that moment. Like, I'm ready, I'm ready to play in the championship again. But it's a long season. You know, I, I, how concerned are you about letdowns or, you know, them trying to skip steps? How much of a concern is that for you? Um, I'd be lying if I said it was not at all. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, these guys <laughs> these guys are like celebrities in our school now. You know what I'm saying? You gotta see these middle school kids whenever they see E Marquise or, or Trey or, or Eric or Taj in the hallway or The something. high school's connected to the middle school? Well, well you know, yeah, we're in the same building. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So it's it's really it's, it might be a little too much. 
Yeah. Honestly, rockstar lifestyle, Mike. Yeah, of course. You know, <laughs> all, you know, they got all the love in the school. Everybody's excited. You know, this is new for uh, mm. for the program and for the school. You know, obviously, you know, notoriety and girls and all this stuff is a is a factor now. So you know, you you try not to think about that too much, but you know that's a factor, and you uh, you know try to keep them focused and understanding. Like you asked me what I told Eric, um, you know, before it's, it's really like you're. You're Eric Acker mm -hmm. because you're Eric Acker. You know what I'm saying? You got into this point because of the person that you are. Mm -hmm. For you to deviate from that would be a, a tremendous mistake. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And, I, you know, I overall, I've been pleased with what I've seen so far. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Obviously, the injuries and stuff is unfortunate, but uh, the guys work hard and they understand what's at hand. They understand, you know, Success is relative. We, I know a lot of people are happy about what we were able to accomplish, but ultimately, we didn't accomplish what we wanted to. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So to celebrate a championship loss to me is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. So I think we're hungry. Um, it's going to be it's, – it's a long season. You know, this stuff with the injuries now, I think, in, 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 a, in a way, could be an advantage to us because the guys that – need to be able to show up in key moments are going to have the opportunity mm -hmm. to, to get, you know, on the field training. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, nobody can tell what it's going to be until we're out there. This is different for you also, Coach Con Like, expectations. Right. That's another thing. Like, do you have to, I guess, slow it down and, like, retrace your steps and kind of check yourself and see where you are? Me personally? Yeah. Um... I haven't thought about that. Mm. I haven't thought about that, to be honest. You know, I think you know, I've been fortunate enough to have a lot of basketball experiences, mm. you know what I'm saying? So I've kind of learned not to get too high, too mm. low with things. Um, and, I, you know, I remind these guys every day that they haven't accomplished, literally have not accomplished anything. Right. You know what I'm saying? Whatever last year's team did, you know, there's a guy in Miami, Ohio, that can ce celebrate that. You, you, guys, you guys lose this year. That was for nothing. Mm -hmm. And that's more of a motivational tactic than anything, but it's the, it's the reality, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? You, you, how you go out is how you're remembered. Mm -hmm. So I know everybody understands that with success comes expectations, mm -hmm. and they know, you know that you know, there's a pressure and it's different being the, 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 the hunter and being the hunted. But as long as you put in the right effort for it every single day, you just do what you can, let the chips fall where they, where they fall. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You mentioned girls earlier as a possible distraction. <laughs> I was I was doing research. The school name is Eagle Academy for Young Men Too. Yeah. So I went around and I'm asking people, I'm like, young men, your school is an all boys school. It is. Coach, I didn't even know that existed in New York City public high schools. An all-boys school. Yeah. How does that impact your program? Well, there's certainly a lot less distractions. You know what I'm saying? Um, in terms of how that triggers not to basketball, I'm not sure. You know what I mean? But I know from an educational standpoint, you know, there's a lot less to be... You, know, you 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 should be you should be focused on your books. Coach, I was floored that one of the best basketball programs in the school uh, in the city comes from a school that is all boys. Yeah. 
I was thinking perhaps it may be a problem getting talented ball players in there. <laughs> you know, we have a <laughs> we have, <laughs> we have a, a player, uh, Raheem Robinson. I really like this kid, and um, he tells me that TikTok is his coping mechanism. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I mean, it's a it's an adjustment. But if you think back, like you know, Kenny Anderson, Kenny Smith, all these guys that went to when I was at Malloy, initially it was an old boys school, what? Holy Cross High School was an old boys school. Um, Do you have prom and stuff? Like no seriously. <laughs> I'm serious. Yeah, yeah. We you know you have a sister school that um, that you interact with. Thankfully, you know my high school girlfriend was from from Mary Lewis, which oh. was um, it was a sister school. So. No, you you still have interactions, man. You still have a life, but I think it, it sets a tone of staying focused and staying disciplined for stuff that's really a very very important time for these young men's life. Basketball mm -hmm. yeah. resume, you put a lot of work in on this court. <laughs> you put a lot of work in on the basketball court. You were what a, a ten year pro. Yeah. You played four years at Holy Cross, which is up in Massachusetts. Right. You were actually uh, the Patriot League Conference Player of the Year. What's that, 2006? Two, yeah, 2005, 2006, long time ago. And then you played Archbishop Malloy in Queens. Yes. Did you play for the legendary Jack Curran? I did. Now, I know this name because of inside the NBA. Uh, Kenny Smith, right. who's up there with Shaq and Charles, he always talks about his time at Malloy. Tom playing for uh, uh, Mr. Curran. In fact, Kenny Smith named his son Malloy. I didn't know that. Yeah, his, one of his sons is named Malloy. What can you tell us about your time hooping at Malloy? At Malloy? Yeah. Um, it was um, it, it was a, it was a great time. Mm -hmm. you know, we had our team was actually top twenty-five in the nation my senior year. Mm -hmm. uh, it was myself, Marlon Smith, uh, Sunday out of games. Uh, Stefan Cherry, Kevin Diffley, Jamal Wagner, a bunch of Division One, Division Two guys. Um, but I think we had a great chemistry. Most of those guys we played together since we were 12 years old. Um, you know, playing for Coach Kerman in particular, you know, I think he was just a guy that demanded so much respect because of what he had accomplished individually and, and the, the types of players that he produced. So you were always trying to you know, acquire knowledge from him. Kenny Anderson. Uh, I mentioned already uh, Kenny Smith. I, I read somewhere uh, Jack Curran won the most high school basketball games like in, in America. <laughs> Something crazy like that, man. So again, what were some of the values and principles you learned from from Coach? Well, mainly just you know, the effort equates to some level of success. Like you're gonna get in, you're gonna get what you put into it. Um, you know, it wasn't he wasn't the type of guy to sit us down and have these long drawn out speeches or anything like that. Okay. It was more like really straight to the point, and uh, you know, you tried to do it not through like a mentorship, but just by example. Mm -hmm. So you know, uh, I was obviously sad that he passed away not, not too long ago, and you know, I'm thankful to have had the opportunity to play for him. How many years varsity did you play at Miller? Only two. Two years varsity. Yeah. How would you describe who you were as a ball player back then? Was there frustration? Did you did you want to break in early as a sophomore? I wasn't good enough, <laughs> to be honest. You know, all the best players in the city, as you know, at this time, you know, you play freshman and then you go straight to varsity. Right. I, I wasn't ready for that. I was I was really small. I was like 5'4", five, 5'5". Five, five. I grew a foot between the end of my sophomore year and the beginning of my senior year. So it was, I was a late bloomer in every sense.
Um, so I wasn't I wasn't frustrated. I, I really just loved to hoop, you know what I'm saying? And I wanted the opportunity to play varsity, but you know, I was I knew that I I was not at the level that the other people were at that time. I was willing to take the necessary steps for me to get there. Talk to me about your college recruitment. You went on going to Holy Cross. When uh did you start to get looks from Division One colleges? So, like I mentioned, I grew that foot. Uh, <laughs> between uh, my sophomore and junior year. And I really, a majority of that growth came towards the end of my junior year in high school. Mm -hmm. So going into the summer, now I'm 6'3", uh, I'm able to see over defenses, I'm able to make plays that I may not have been able to make before. Mm -hmm. I'm able to shoot over people if they're too late. I was always a pretty good shooter. Mm -hmm. And you know, I kind of exploded that summer. You know, I was 20 something points in all the big time tournaments. Mm -hmm. Went from my recruitment literally went from nothing to like phone calls every day, letters at the house. Um, Who was calling? The most consistent was obviously Holy Cross, Old Dominion, Ryder, St. Louis, um, Niagara, Iona, mm -hmm. a lot of Mac schools, a lot of Patriot League schools. Um, but after my senior year, by this time I had already committed, but after my senior year, you know, we were. Top 25 nation. I was an old city player. You know, then it was like St. Louis and Mississippi State and Missouri. Right. Like that. But by that point, you know, at that time, there was no waiver. You said wherever you said you were going, right. you went. And why did you choose Holy Cross? Um, they were probably the most consistent in my recruitment. Mm -hmm. They were the first school to call me. They called me every single week. Um, and mainly, you know, aside from them showing that consistency and recruitment, uh, I wanted to play for Coach Ralph Willard. Um, Coach Willard, not familiar with him, coached at Pittsburgh, okay. coached at Western Kentucky, coached with the Knicks. Um, and, you know, he was a person that was a real straight shooter. You know, a lot of, during the recruitment process, and I kind of try to teach my guys about this now, you can hear a lot of stuff that you want to hear mm -hmm. from these schools and these, these institutions. Uh, Coach Willard kept it 100 with me, you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? You know, uh, we have, all lead guard and job in need right now. We have a senior, you'll be coming in into a situation of winning team. You learn how to win, you learn how to be a good player. This is the things I think you need to work on. He's the only coach telling me the stuff that I need to work on. In the recruiting process? <laughs> Usually they sell you a dream, coach. Of course. Of course. So I, I was used to that type of direction. My father was really involved in my life you know, from a basketball perspective, and he kept it like that with me too. So I enjoyed being. Uh, in that environment. So and it was, you know, probably one of the best decisions of my life. That's rather unique. Cause you don't hear people be challenged during the recruiting process. Like you said, most coaches just telling you what you want to hear so they can get you on their campus right. and then they do a about face and turn into somebody else. Absolutely. But you you appreciated that authenticity in the recruiting process. For sure. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool, man. That speaks volumes about I guess who you were. You mentioned earlier that as a sophomore, you weren't good enough, but as a senior and you started to get better, you had this growth spurt, you kind of still appreciated authenticity and I guess you still had that level of humility. Yeah, you know, and I, actually it's funny, it's me and Gino. Yeah. Talking about Eugene Lawrence, who was a guest on this podcast. Gino, what up, baby? Yeah, we were actually speaking about this, like, the advantages of not being like highly touted early on. 
you know, when you hear all the things that you're good at and everybody praising you and telling you how good you are and this team wants you, that team wants you, you know, sometimes that can turn into a diva. Mm -hmm. that, you know, it makes you more resistant to um, criticism or stuff like that. But when you're, you know, from the outside looking in and, you know, you want to get to that, so you're willing to accept any information. For sure. That'll get you to that point. And, uh, you know, oftentimes, this is another message I would teach my guys is, you know, it's not always the guys who are the most talented. You know, I was a professional at some of the highest levels. Mm -hmm. It wasn't the guys you expect to see there. You know what I'm saying? It was the guys that stayed the course, that did the things that were necessary in the classroom, for instance, or, you know, in practices. Mm -hmm. And so not everybody's willing to make those types of sacrifices. Um, it's the guys who stayed the course and work harder than the ones that end up making it. For sure. Coach, you stayed the course to the tune of being named Patriot League Player of the Year, the best player in that conference, your junior season. Yeah. That's big time. What do you remember about when you got that award, man? What was that feeling like? Um, you know, obviously, I was hyped, you know what I'm saying, <laughs> to be recognized for anything that you're doing well feels good. Um, but, you know, looking back at it, you know, I just remember just thinking about how selfless my teammates were. Because, mm -hmm. like, you know, to be named player of the year, especially as a junior, you know, obviously there were seniors on my team. Yeah. And to be a senior and be willing to say, all right, like, you're the guy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then ride with you and support that and be happy for me for receiving that, that honor. Uh, I'm just thankful that I'm surrounded by those types of people. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, you know, I was under the tutelage of an amazing coach. Probably, not probably the most influential person in my life. You know what I'm saying? And, these are the things that I never imagined of accomplishing right. when I was a sophomore in high school, whatever the case may be. But, you know, while I look back there, I'm just thankful. You know, as I know it took a lot of hard work to get there. And, you know, I, I, think, I thank my teammates for giving me that platform. Mm -hmm. Who's the first, like, what's the first time that was on your radar? Like, yo, this is a possibility. Coach, you could be named conference player of the year. Um... You know, midway through the Patriots season, I was uh, <laughs> at that point I was leading the league in scoring. I was leading the league in steals. I was uh, up there in rebounding. You know, I was, and we were winning. We were first place in the league. Mm -hmm. To be completely honest, I, like by the time the season ended, I kind of expected it. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. And, you know, just because you know, there's no, there's, you know, in Patriots specifically, mm -hmm. usually the player will be go to the best player on the best team. Right. Okay. So, you know, given that I had those statistics and my team was that successful, you know, I was just, you know, kind of waiting for them to announce it. Mm -hmm. Is there one moment from that season that stands out? Well, unfortunately, we we lost in the Patriots Championship to Buck Now. Yes. They went on to win. Uh, I don't know if they beat, they beat Kansas. Okay. I'm not sure if you remember this. Two years in a row, they won a game in the, in the NCAA tournament. Wow. Uh, we lost in the championship at home, uh, which was obviously you know, not the way we want to go out. But um, we got invited to NIT, got a, a, a bid, and then um, we beat Notre Dame at Notre Dame. So that was kind of like you know a gratifying moment. It's not the, the character that we wanted, but uh, to, to prove that we were able to beat a Big East team in that stage was, mm -hmm. was uh, probably the, the moment that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Senior year, you know, you're coming off play of the year and then you're going into your senior year. What's your mindset? 
what's, what, what's, what's on your mind? Uh, what type of goals do you have? Are you thinking NBA? Are you thinking I have to repeat as player of the year? What's going through your mind? Um, uh, to win the championship was, was the ultimate goal. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and I, I knew, although I was able to be the player of the year and, um, and I was the leader of the team in a sense, I knew I benefited from a lot of senior leadership. Mm-hmm. So I had guys on my team that were um, amazing leaders more than anything. So uh, I knew that it was going to be a new role for me. I had to not just be a leader in terms of scoring and uh, productivity, but also bringing up the guys that um, were not accustomed to our system, the freshmen and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So it was, um, it was, it was a, you know, I know statistically it was better, but it was way more challenging year mm-hmm. than the previous one. Who won the player of the year that year, you know? Charles Lee. Yeah? Yeah, he's actually an ass- the head assistant of Milwaukee Bucks right now. Wow. Yeah. You were named defensive player of the year, though, in your senior year. I was. That's impressive. Appreciate it. That's impressive, Coach. You, as, from the guard position, you know, it's hard to score the ball and then go lock up on the other end. Right. Who put, who instilled that defensive mindset in you? It was a requirement with my coach. Ralph Willard? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That was a, a award given by default because mm-hmm. if you didn't exert that much effort, you I didn't care if you play a year or play or anything, you're not getting on the court. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, you know, especially in that season when we had a lot of freshmen, we, we graduated like four seniors the year before. Okay. Uh, you got to try to lead by example and, you know, try to cover up some, some holes that the previous team didn't have. So, you know, I was kind of all over the place. I probably gambled a little too much. But... <laughs> but uh, no, I, I took a lot of pride in, in being a good defensive player. I've, I've, I've been like that mm-hmm. majority of my life. After your senior year, you, are you expecting to get drafted, thinking NBA? What's next? Um, I had three NBA workouts. Mm-hmm. I worked out with Boston, Memphis, and Denver. Um, and, you know, at that time, you know, mid-major kids, they just didn't get drafted. That's what the, the climate right. of, the, of, the, of the game was. You know, now, you know, you see some of those stars in NBA are from mid-majors. Sure. Um, so, but I knew that I was going to happen. I, I got invited to Summer League with two teams. I ended up going with Boston. Who was the other team? Uh, it was Memphis. Okay. And why did you choose Boston? So, at the time, this was pre-Bassey trade. Mm-hmm. They needed guards, right? And... Um, so, you know, Memphis was, uh, I forgot who was on the team at that time, but uh, I, it looked like there was a better opportunity with Boston. Right. And then um, before I even land for camp, they signed Bassey, they pick up Allen Ray, they pick up, uh, they re-signed Tony Allen and Gerald Green. It was just, now nah, I'm just stuck in a situation. <laughs> stuck in a situation where, you know, I, there was limited opportunities. Right. And, oh, oh, and I forgot to mention they traded for Rondo. Right, right. So... It, yeah, it went from a situation like they don't got no guards, and then they had all the guards. Now they guards that. Yeah, so but you know it was a great experience. You know, Danny Angel, Doc Rivers, were like were amazing. Um, you know, being able to be under their tutelage to learn the game from an NBA perspective is just way different. So hold on, you finished school, right? Now you look for opportunities in league. Teams are calling you, give you a summer league trial, and Boston calls, and you accept it. Yeah. So they say, yo, get to Vegas. Well, actually, you got, I got invited to minicamp. Okay. So minicamp is before summer league. It's like a tryout for summer league. Mm-hmm. There was like 30 of us. You know what I'm saying? So then we once you get through that barrier. How'd you get through that? 
I made some shots. Man. <laughs> I made some shots. I, you know, I, to being completely honest, my first day or so, I was nervous. You know what I'm saying? I'm not, you know, you're coming off being played a year and stuff like that. You're not used to tryout situations. Yeah. I don't even remember the last time I was in a tryout. But, um, you know, just trying to impact the game any way that I could. You know what I'm saying? I think what, you know, what Danny Ainge mentioned on the day that he told me I was going, he was like, you know, yeah, you know, he, he was out front and honest with me. He's like, you know, we don't have a lot of spots, um, but, you know, we would love to take you. Like, you're such a cerebral basketball player. Wow. Which I think out of everything was probably my, my biggest asset as a, as a hooper was, you know, playing smart, being able to read the game, understand situations, what things call for when they didn't call. I think something I think helps me translate to, to coaching. That's even in a trial situation, you was able to show your cerebral nature. Because in trials, sometimes people think like, yo, I just got to go for it. I got to go for the gusto. Like, what are you doing? You just making great defensive stops? You throwing well, passes? I didn't have a choice. These guys were faster than me, could jump higher than me, were stronger than me. So my, I had to play smarter yeah. than them. You know what I'm saying? I remember trying to box Gerald Green out, turning and seeing his sneaker by my face. I'm like, this is a different, this is a different situation than I'm used to. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you know, that's, uh, that's how I think I made it. Just, you know, Working as hard as I could, making the plays without trying to overexert myself. You know, in those situations, you got Paul Pierce. You know, these, they're not looking for somebody to come in and show them. Fill it up, right? Yeah. They want to show, you know, a guy that can fill a role, do the things that other people don't want to do. And I was fine with that if I could make it to the NBA. You know what I'm saying? For sure. So then you get to Vegas, you get to the Summer League. Yeah. What's that like? Bassey was on that roster? He was. Bassey, Sebastian Telfield, Brooklyn Zone. Yeah. You got a good Bassey story for us? <laughs> yeah. So, um, <laughs> yo, you know what, what I remember about, I don't even know if, if he even remembers this, right? But uh, I just remember him being such a giving guy. You know, a lot of people came to him for a lot of stuff. And all the time we were hanging out, hanging out, he was getting phone calls all the time. Like, yeah, I got you. Yeah, I, I might have heard him say that 50 times. And uh, I remember one day, uh, he was doing going house shopping because you know he you know he got traded today. But, you know this time he had just come from Portland and you know he was, you know they were expecting for him to take the reins. Yeah. And um, we went to like it was Ricky Davis's house. He's like, come with me. Want to go check out this house? And you know me, I'm, I'm from Queens Village. This is my first time around people with money like this, any of this stuff. So we go to Ricky Davis's house, and it's the nicest house I've ever been in. Mm -hmm. And so, we, you know, they take the tour and stuff like that. And then we leaving, and we're driving back uh, to camp. He said, what you think? I was like, that place is crazy. He was like, now wait till I show you my spot. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, man, this is a whole different world. Yeah. You know, he, he wasn't impressed by none of it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So that's something I remember the past. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I haven't spoken to him probably since that time, right. honestly. But... That was, um, he was a really cool dude. Rondo was on the roster also? He was. What was it like teaming up with Rondo? I wasn't on Rondo's team very often, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, this guy, man. You know, when I, when I think about Rondo, I, I, you know, I ask, I'm asked to speak sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I always tell this story about, you know, taking advantage of opportunities. Mm -hmm. Like, Rondo, to me, is like the perfect example of that. Because... If you know, if you think about it, he got traded from Phoenix, mm -hmm. um, and if he never got traded, Steve Nash is the point guard of Phoenix. Like the chances of Rondo getting on the court, 
where Steve Nash did. It was very slim. Right. You know, he's going to be in a backup role. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and then he comes to Boston, and, man, within, like, two practices, everybody in the gym is just looking at each other like, this guy's crazy. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, not a, a great shooter, but hits every big shot, makes every big play, sees everything, mm -hmm. picking people up full court, just a dog. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it went from a guy who potentially could have been uh, a backup his whole career to multi-time champion, mm -hmm. potential Hall of Famer, assist, all-star, and yeah. all this other stuff. And it was just a guy, you know, who was presented the opportunity. And took advantage of it. Completely took advantage of it. Took advantage of it. Did you get a, uh, many opportunities to play? Like you said, they had bad guards. Did you get on the court at all at Summer League? I did. Yeah. Um, I played the most against Toronto. Okay. But, you know, not as nearly as much as I would like to. Right. But, you know, either way, I was thankful for the um, for the opportunity mm -hmm. and the experience. Mm -hmm. What happens after that? You know, you pack your bags, you head home. What's what's your state of mind now? What's on, what's on your radar at this point? So while I'm in Vegas, um, my agent flies out, and we have meetings with a couple teams. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. At that point, you know, the writing was kind of on the wall. Yeah. All these guards are here. And I met with a coach from Belgium and Poland. And, you know, uh, the Belgium opportunity was actually a little bit more money to start out. Mm -hmm. But the Poland opportunity was, like, a better platform for myself. You know what I'm saying? Why do you say that? Well, the Belgian team uh, had a, a returning shooting guard. At mm -hmm. this point, I'm playing shooting guard. Right. Um, that was, like, an all-star in the league for multiple years. Um, so they were trying to have me play, like, combo. Mm -hmm. And it just seemed like a situation where, you know, I'll have to share minutes and figure things out. And the Polish team, you know, the coach kind of explained to me that, you know, I'd have a much larger role. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when playing overseas, um, you kind of have to think the long game. Okay. You got to think about opportunities. You know, even like you probably hear stories of kids or guys not making money while they're playing out there or getting paid late or something like mm -hmm. that. Sometimes you got to weigh whether or not to leave that opportunity or just to thug it out so mm -hmm. that you can, you know, produce and potentially give yourself another job. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and the coach also explained to me that he wants to go with, like, a younger team. Mm -hmm. So I played with some guys who've had legendary careers uh, on that team. Mm -hmm. uh, David Moss, who's, like, a legend in Italy now, great dude from Chicago, played at Indiana State. Mm -hmm. um, Steve Thomas, who played at Georgia. You know, Jermaine Anderson and Jermaine Buckner, who played for the Canadian national team. Mm -hmm. We were all kids right. at the time, and we were really successful, and it kind of propelled our careers different ways, right. but, you know, it gave us the platform to start our careers and, and get some notoriety. You would end up winning a championship in Poland. I won a cup championship the following year. Okay. I played in Poland two years. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, I won a championship with uh, Coach Vita. What's that like for, for an American? Because we grow up dreaming of the NBA championship. Right. right. We go overseas because of financial reasons. But we still hoopers. So what, what, do your sights now just set on like, yo, this is the championship that I'm after? Yeah. 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 I mean, when you're in a league, uh, that's the only championship that matters. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, that's the goal. You know, actually, for that particular team, that was not the goal. We were kind of like a surprising team. Okay. But, uh, yeah, you know, I know I'd much rather win an NBA championship than a Polish Cup or a German <laughs> Cup championship. Right. But, 
You know, it's really exciting, man. Mm-hmm. You know, you're playing in arenas that may not be 17,000 or 20,000, but it's 10,000 people in there, mm-hmm. and they're actually more enthusiastic. I'm not sure if you're familiar with, like, European basketball games, but there's f- flares and, and yeah. drums and smoke, and, you know, yeah. sometimes you might have to dodge a battery or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's a really, really exciting atmosphere, and it was a cool experience. So, you know, I've been fortunate enough to win a couple of championships out there, and it's always great. And how many years did you play professionally overseas? Ten years. Ten years. And what would your off-seasons be like? Unfortunately, I didn't have off-seasons okay. because I played in Puerto Rico during the summers. So, well, let me not say unfortunately. Like, you know, I know I may have cut my career short because I didn't have any rest. Mm-hmm. But um, I would play in Europe from August to, like, May, June, depending on how well we mm-hmm. did I come home for two weeks, and then I, you know, by that time Puerto Rico would probably be a month into the season, and then I'd fly to Puerto Rico and finish that season out. Come home for like a week or two, fly back out to Europe, and I did that for. Why months. was that? Just for the bag? Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. I mean, at this point, you know, yeah. you know, two, three years into my career, I had my daughter. Mm-hmm. You know, what I'm saying that puts a lot of things in perspective. Yes, sir. And you know, when I was young and making money for the first time, I was probably little irresponsible, mm-hmm. and, you know, until stuff that, you know, didn't serve me or anything yeah. like that. And when you have a kid, you know, settling down with my family, my wife was with me. Uh, you know, you want to try to acquire a lifestyle for mm-hmm. them and do better for them than, than you had. So mm-hmm. it was grinding. I've been trying to ask this with a few people. Gina was one of them, too. When I talk to the overseas guys, I try to paint a picture for the young and up-and-coming ballers who may embark on that journey going overseas. I'm trying to give them an idea of what the money is like without being nosy and pocket-watching. You know what I'm saying? So, like, yeah. what can you say about the, the money overseas? Um, It's there. Uh, there's levels. Right. To it. It's different in the NBA where you have... Well, there's levels in the NBA, too. Mm-hmm. But once you make it to NBA, there's... Even the baseline is, uh, is uh, a good amount, a good amount of money. Right. Um, there's people that are playing overseas for a thousand dollars a month, mm-hmm. and there's people that are playing for two hundred thousand dollars a month. Mm-hmm. You know, what I'm saying three hundred thousand dollars a month. Uh, when you're overseas, you kind of have an idea based on what league you're in, mm-hmm. what other people are making, mm-hmm. right? So you know when somebody's on Instagram <laughs> and they're faking and stuff right. like that, but. Um, you know, it all depends on what league you're in. Um, if you get to make it to European competition, um, usually at that point, you know, you're certainly making six figures okay. at least and stuff like that. So, I mean, it's it's, it's hard to give a range, mm-hmm. like, what people are making just, just saying overseas. Right. But, right. you know, depending on what country you're on, what team you're on, you kind of get an idea. Mm-hmm. And you played in the European League? I did. So I'm counting. All right, north of six figures. All right, guys, you got it. That's the best I can do. Your dad, yeah, Kevin Hamilton Sr., a star at Iona. Mm-hmm. He would end up actually being drafted by the Boston, Boston Celtics. Right. The same team uh, you would end up playing in the summer league with. Unfortunately, I, I believe he suffered an injury before his career really got underway. Yeah. Did you get to see him play at all? No. Um, he made me watch a lot of his old 
college films. So I, I probably I got to see him play mm -hmm. several times. Probably the same tape a lot of times. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I've got I got he was a he was an amazing shooter. Amazing shooter. Far better shooter than I ever was. What role did basketball play in you guys' relationship? Basketball? My father was my coach for a lot a long time. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's, it's weird. It's, you know, when I look back, it's a strange dynamic because you know he was a guy that coached me, but he wasn't like you know Denzel from. Uh, he got game. He got game <laughs> like in the park in the backyard pushing me. Like, yeah. He got home. He went upstairs, and I was outside with my boy Steph. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So he wasn't like overbearing, off the coaching. Away from coaching, mm -hmm. you know, he kind of gave me space to do it. Like, I don't think I would have even had to play basketball. Honestly, I actually played baseball when I was a kid. I was a better baseball player than a basketball mm -hmm. player. But, um, you know, obviously, seeing, you know, my, before I moved to Queens Village, I lived in uh, Jamaica, Queens. Mm -hmm. Really, really young. My earliest memories, you know, seeing my father walk around the Ave and people coming up to him, like, oh, what's up, you still hold blah, blah, blah. And so I think what he represented and what that that you know seeing the respect that he would get you know in, in the neighborhood and stuff like that was something i was enticed by mm -hmm. more than him being like on me every mm -hmm. single day and stuff like that what's he think about the job you've done as as coach um i'm sure he's proud mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying he was at the borough championship game past last year um you know I, my father coached as well so uh you know i, I think uh my father's always given me space to be who I, who I am. Mm -hmm. And you know, this was a, a passion that I, I think I fell into organically, mm -hmm. which I'm thankful for, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? Obviously he had an influence, you know, seeing, you know, I was always looked up to him, wanted to be like him mm -hmm. and stuff like that. But, you know, like I said, if I was coaching soccer, I think he'd be okay. Very cool, very cool. Uh, do we miss anything, coach? I don't think so. That sounded like my whole life. <laughs> What's that like sitting across from a stranger who's asking you all these damn questions about your resume? I'm, I'm going through the research. I'm like, man, I don't even know this man. I'm in his business and stuff. Um, but, Coach, great job. You know what I'm saying? You, if you're putting on for the city, if you're putting on for these young men, you're cool with me, man. We, we appreciate you stopping in. Uh, we look forward to watching you, watching the program. And uh, just thank you. No, thank you, man. This was great. I'm glad we were able to make it happen. We made it happen. We missed each other a lot of times, but this was cool, man. I nah. appreciate you having me. Thanks for pulling up. Uh, that's Kevin Hamilton, Jr. I'm your host, William Holly, WBS Radio. We out.